Today in Security from Wired. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off US versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous US China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Today's briefing is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control needed to make smart decisions and grow with confidence, save time and money, and gain agility and scale by managing your company's finances in one place in real time from your desktop or phone. Start today. Right now, NetSuite is offering valuable insights with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash wired. Get your free guide at netsuite.com slash wired. How Trump hollowed out U.S. national security. Acting Director of National Intelligence Richard Grinnell is just the latest in a cascade of temporary or vacant personnel in critical government positions by Garrett M. Graff. As Richard Grinnell, the current U.S. ambassador to Germany, starts his second day on the job as the nation's acting director of national intelligence, his arrival also marks the ouster of not only his predecessor, Joseph McGuire, but reportedly also of DNI principal executive Andrew Hallman. By the end of the day, almost all of the roles created after 9-11, literally to prevent the next 9-11, will be either vacant or lack permanent appointees. While vacancies and acting officials have become commonplace in this administration, the moves by President Donald Trump this week represent a troubling and potentially profound new danger to the country. There will soon be no Senate-confirmed Director of the National Counterterrorism Center, Director of National Intelligence, Principal Deputy Director of National Intelligence, Homeland Security Secretary, Deputy Homeland Security Secretary, nor leaders of any of the three main border security and immigration agencies. Across the government, nearly 100,000 federal law enforcement agents, officers, and personnel are working today without permanent agency leaders, from Customs and Border Protection and Immigrations and Customs Enforcement to the Drug Enforcement Administration and the Bureau of Alcohol to tobacco, firearms, and explosives. All the posts and many more top security jobs are unfilled or staffed with leaders who have not been confirmed by the Senate. Trump has done an end-around, installing loyalists without subjecting them to legally mandated vetting and approval by Congress. Trump's surprise ouster of McGuire, who took over as acting director of national intelligence last summer, came apparently in a tantrum over a congressional briefing that outlined how Russia is already trying to interfere with the 2020 election and help re-elect Trump. But understanding the true cost of McGuire's firing requires understanding how the role first came to be. 
the Director of National Intelligence position, was created after 9-11 specifically to coordinate the work of the nation's 17 intelligence agencies and help connect the dots on disparate data and threats, work that wasn't done before September 11, 2001. DNI is an immensely challenging job that includes serving legally as the president's top intelligence advisor and traditionally involves giving the president's daily briefing on potential threats. It has bested many of its previous officeholders, who found it a perilous position with immense responsibility but little direct authority. As part of that reorganization, Congress also created the National Counterterrorism Center, meant to bring the FBI, CIA, and other key partners together in one building to ensure full visibility and cooperation into terrorist threats. McGuire, a former admiral who had been the NCTC head before assuming the acting DNI responsibility, has now been replaced by Grinnell, by a political loyalist with scant knowledge of the intelligence world. Grinnell's experience pales in comparison even to previous Trump appointee Dan Coats, who had only served as a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. In a job that legally requires its nominee to have significant intelligence experience, Coates' predecessors had all been admirals, generals, intelligence agency leaders, or former top White House officials. Grinnell has none of that background. He also confusingly appears to be continuing both as the U.S. ambassador to Germany, a job that seems difficult to fulfill from the intelligence community's headquarters at Liberty Crossing in McLean, Virginia, and the administration's special envoy to the Balkan peace negotiations. Meanwhile, the clock on Grinnell's tenure as acting DNI is already ticking. For him to stay more than three weeks, Trump must nominate a new director by mid-March to restart the clock of the Federal Vacancies Reform Act, which is meant to limit the authority of non-Senate-confirmed officials. If that nomination fails, or other nominations come and go, Grinnell could stay on indefinitely. The enduring vacancy at Liberty Crossing is indicative of an increasingly hollowed-out executive rank in government that will surely only worsen this year. The Justice Department has no third-in-command. The associate attorney general role has been vacant for more than two years now, ever since the departure of Rachel Brandt. Nor is there a Senate-confirmed administrator or deputy administrator for the DEA, which is a key part of the nation's intelligence community. The ATF, a billion-dollar law enforcement agency with 5,000 personnel, hasn't had a Senate-confirmed leader for five years. The State Department, which has slowly refilled its ranks since it was decimated under Trump's first Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, is today the most staffed cabinet department, but it still lacks numerous key positions. Three of its six undersecretary positions, its chief legal officer, and its general counsel roles are all either vacant or filled with acting personnel. At a time when the Trump administration is confronting the restarted nuclear programs of both Iran and North Korea, the State Department's Bureau of Arms Control, Verification, and Compliance is being led by a deputy assistant secretary, because there's no undersecretary or assistant secretary. As part of his ongoing post-impeachment purge, Trump last week fired Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the European Union. But there's also no permanent assistant secretary for European and Eurasian affairs nor a U.S. representative to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, a key group of advanced Western nations. As the U.S. confronts a rising and aggressive China, it lacks a representative to the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, the closest analog in Southeast Asia to NATO or the EU. There's no ambassador to Afghanistan, as the U.S. tries to negotiate its way out of a nearly two-decade war there, nor, of course, in the wake of impeachment and Trump's purges, is there a permanent U.S. ambassador to Ukraine.
At the Pentagon, Trump earlier this week ousted the Undersecretary for Policy, John Rood. There's also no Undersecretary for Personnel and Readiness. Trump's Navy Secretary, Richard Spencer, resigned last fall amid the controversy of Trump's decision to go outside normal command channels and block a punishment for a Navy SEAL convicted of war crimes, and the job continues to sit vacant. He announced a choice in November, but has yet to submit the paperwork to the Senate. No department is in worse shape than the Department of Homeland Security, itself a post-9-11 creation meant to bring together under one roof the key agencies that protect the nation's infrastructure, transportation, and borders. April will mark a full year since DHS's last Senate-confirmed secretary, Kirsten Nielsen, was fired after not tackling border security aggressively enough for Trump. From April to November, the department was led by Acting Secretary Kevin McAleenan, who had been the Senate-confirmed CBP commissioner. CBP is the nation's largest law enforcement agency, with more gun-carrying personnel than the Coast Guard. It has only had a Senate-confirmed leader for 11 months of the more than three-year-old Trump administration. Today, it's led by Acting Commissioner Mark Morgan, who had spent six weeks as the head of ICE before moving to CBP last July. To the casual observer, Morgan's move to lead CBP would mean that both he and his successor at ICE, Matthew Albans, would have hit their respective 210-day limits as acting officials at the end of January. Yet, thanks to the quirks of the Federal Vacancies Reform Act, the math isn't actually that simple. Earlier this month, Stanford's Anne Joseph O'Connell walked me through how CBP and ICE's leaders appear set, legally, to stay on indefinitely. Albans is technically no longer the acting director, although he still leads ICE. Instead, he's now the senior official performing the duties of the director, a term of art that has become all too common and lets Albans continue in the role without Senate confirmation. Two watchdog groups filed suit earlier this month, saying that because ICE has actually never had a Senate-confirmed leader during the Trump administration, Albans is in violation of the Vacancies Acts Act. The question of the legal leadership of CBP is even more tortured. Since McAleenan was confirmed by the Senate as CBP commissioner, the role was still technically filled, even during the nearly six months he led the overall department as acting secretary. The job of CBP commissioner didn't technically become vacant until McAleenan left DHS in mid-November, meaning that the first four months of Mark Morgan's tenure at CBP don't actually count toward his 210-day limit. There's no sign Trump is in any hurry to name a Senate nominee to lead the agency, so if Morgan is still acting commissioner when his new clock runs out in mid-June, he too could just be delegated the senior official performing the duties of and continue on. Delegation of non-exclusive duties functions currently as a complete workaround to the Vacancies Act's time limits, as almost nothing is exclusive to these positions by statute, O'Connell told me earlier this month. Most of DHS is working through delegation right now. Indeed, looking across DHS, there's a troubling and unprecedented vacuum of leadership. The deputy secretary is actually the senior official performing the duties of because the Trump administration underwent various legal contortions to install Ken Cuccinelli, whom it recognized would get Senate approval. Other technically vacant positions filled by senior officials performing the duties of include the department's undersecretary for management, the undersecretary for science and technology, and the director of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, meaning that there's not a Senate-confirmed leader of any of the three key border and immigration agencies. Similarly, the undersecretary for the Office of Strategy, Policy, and Plans, Chad Wolf, is actually the acting secretary of the entire department, so his deputy is filling in that role.
That list doesn't even count the numerous other positions that are all either vacant or filled with acting officials at DHS. Chief of Staff, Executive Secretary, General Counsel, Chief Financial Officer, Chief Information Officer, Chief Privacy Officer, Deputy Undersecretary of Science and Technology, Deputy Administrator of TSA, Assistant Secretary for Countering Weapons of Mass Destruction, and Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs. The changes, upheavals, and empty offices at DHS come so quickly that the department seems unable to keep its own org chart up to date. As of Friday morning, it still listed Daniel Kanievsky, who was technically the third-ranking official at FEMA, as filling in as the acting deputy administrator, the agency's number two official overseeing the nation's disaster responses. Kanievsky actually left FEMA in January, meaning that both its number two and number three jobs are actually vacant. The U.S. hurricane season starts in 10 weeks. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.